one reason why we have so many defeated Christians is because they don't know they don't know who they are in Christ and they don't know what the Lord has done for them. Amen. And we think we know and people who think they know uh, run the risk of being unteachable. People think they know everything there is to know because they've hung out in church for a while. But you really don't know it until you're living it, until you're doing it. My dad told me, he says, just because you got up and preached a sermon or taught a lesson doesn't mean you, you taught them. The only way you can see if, if you taught them is if they picked it up and are doing it. And there are a lot of people who think just by osmosis, somehow or another, they're going to be Christians if they go to church often enough and, and, uh, and carry a Bible under their armpit that somehow or another uh, it's going to ooze out and they will, they're going to be suddenly, a, a, you know, become a great Christian. That's like saying, I'm going to go sit in the garage. If I sit in the garage long enough, I'll be a car. It doesn't work that way, does it? You've got to hear the Word and then be a doer of the Word Amen. in order for the Word to work its wonders in you. Amen? Amen. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, I started by so talking about how Satan is defeated by Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, when he died upon that cross and was buried and raised on the third day, it signaled to the universe that Satan had suffered his ultimate defeat. His power to hold you prisoner was destroyed. When Jesus rose from the dead, he brought from the dead with him the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So Satan no longer has the power to kill you. He no longer has the power to hold you in the grave. And he no longer has the power to destroy you. His power has been removed from him. He is not what he used to be. He is a defeated foe. And yet many people don't know that. And so he comes to them and lies to them and says, I've got power over you. And they agree with him. And they just basically hand their authority over to the devil. And he rules, he rules them with their authority. If you do not give him power, he will not have power over you. So, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to constantly remind ourselves, the devil's not my problem. Satan is defeated. The kingdoms of darkness is not a kingdom anymore. It's a fallen, it's a fallen kingdom. It no longer has rights to rule or to possess anything. It belongs to Jesus Christ. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. That's what the Bible says. Satan no longer has a kingdom. And we, make, you know, we, we call it the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of darkness. And that's a, that's, that's a misnomer. He, he, does not, he is not a king. The Bible never refers to him as a king talks about him being the prince of the power of the air, but that's, that's, that's not a king. And he's a fallen prince. He's been cast down. He's been stripped and made a public spectacle. Jesus paraded him before the universe as a defeated foe. The word's out. 
He can't, he can't hide it anymore. The whole universe knows it. Uh, now, if the Christians would know that, they would, the Christians would be unbeatable because we have been given the power of God to rule and reign in life with Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want to preach that whole sermon again, but then last week I, I talked about how we are safe we're safe and protected as long as we live under the shadow of the Most High. As un, when, we, when we bring ourselves into and underneath the covering of the Most High God, nothing can touch us. Nothing can get to us. They can't even see us. Yes, we're in a war. Yes, the world is a dangerous place to live. And, and there are things flying around, diseases and arrows that fly by day and terrors that come at the night and all this. But Psalm 91 says they'll not come near you. You'll see 10,000 fall, but it will not come near you. No plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. That's what Psalm 91 says, but it's not an automatic thing. It's for, it's for the one who abides under the shadow of the Almighty. So our job, our responsibility is to get under the shadow of the Almighty and stay there. We need to plant our feet and we need to stubbornly resist any attempt to move us out from under the shadow of the Almighty. He is our dwelling place. Say that with me. God is my dwelling place. In Him I live and move and have my being. Amen. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And I believe that with all of my heart. So if Satan is defeated, and then all I've got to do to be divinely protected is to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, to live, to live in God, then, then uh, why do I have problems? Well, let's talk about that a little bit today. There, there, there is a, uh, when a person is born again, there's an immediate miracle that takes place. You're immediately translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. There's a transfer that takes place. You're taken out of the dark, and you're placed in the light. You're taken out of sin, and you're placed into righteousness. He puts His righteousness in you. And there, there's, there's some big changes that are made the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You were on your way to hell. Now you're on your way to heaven. And guaranteed a place there if you just stay on, on the path. Can you say amen? So God sets the captives free. The Bible says that, that uh, uh, Jesus in, in the New Testament, in Luke, he said, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to set captives free, to open the prison doors and to set the captives free. So God sets the captives free and then puts them on a path of righteousness which we are required to walk out every day. Oh, there's a part that we have to play in order to, in order to enjoy the freedom that he's given us. We have to walk the line. We have to walk the path that he lays out for us. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 very familiar scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing. How many of you are seeing? Wherefore, seeing 
There, there, there's something we need to recognize. There's something we need to acknowledge. Are you ready to, are you ready to see and acknowledge? Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That word compassed about means we're, we're encircled. They're all around us. You see, if we could see into the realm of the Spirit, we would see that not only are we surrounded by the angels of the Lord who encamp about them that love the Lord, right? We know the Bible says the angels of the Lord encampeth around about him that fears the Lord. So not only are we surrounded by the angels of the Lord, but we're also surrounded of a, by, by this great mass of witnesses. People who've gone on before us, like my mother, my dad, your, your ancestors that went on to be with the Lord. They're not way off somewhere beyond the blue. They're, they're camped around about you. They're surrounding you. See, if, if we could really see into heaven, it would look differently than we think it looks. If we could see into that realm, we would see that these people are all around us. It's like we're in an arena, and they're in the stands, and they're cheering us on. Amen. Push them back, push them back, way back. You know? <laughs> they're cheering us on. You know, the angels, the angels are there to protect us and defend us and to fight with us. And, uh, and we're in the contest, but we're, we're not in the contest to lose. We're in the contest to win. Amen. We're declared winners even before it begins. So he says, seeing this, seeing that all these, all these individuals are surrounding us and are witnessing and watching uh, what's going on, he said, let us lay aside every weight... And the, and the sin. Now he's talking to Christians. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we're focusing our attention on the winner. The victor, the one who's already won the victor's crown. We're focusing on Jesus who ran this race before us and cleared the path. He fought the devil and defeated him. He fought opposing forces and broke through. And he paved the way for us to come through without, without the opposition that he met. Jesus did a, he did a complete work of defeating the devil and laying out a path for us. So uh, deliverance is not just from a satanic enemy, but it's also from the old man that we used to be. See, he, he didn't just set us free from the devil. He set us free from ourselves. And this act of deliverance is an ongoing thing, a progressive thing. But, but uh, the, the old man within us has habitually uh, been given over to iniquities and to self-will. All your life you've lived uh, uh, by, by yielding to the, the sin nature that you were born into. 
or the sin nature that was born into you. However, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? Everyone was born into sin. And, and it's an established fact. We're not going to re-preach that sermon. But I want you to know that Jesus has delivered you from the power of that, that iniquitous spirit, that self, uh, self-defeating, self-destruction uh, force of a nature called you. It was you. And if the, if the truth is known, uh, and I believe the truth is, is going to bear out, your biggest problem has not been, is not, and never will be the devil. Your big problem is not the devil. And your big problem is not the world. Your biggest problem is you. Ooh, I don't like hearing that. Well, it's God's will for His children to be delivered wholly from the old creature we were born into. Look at Ephesians 4.23. Ephesians 4.23 and 24. He says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, he's, he's given us uh, the freedom to change, to be changed in our minds and think righteously and think holy, uh, holy thoughts. But we have to put that on. It's something you have to decide that you're going to do. And, and so uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So he said, he said don't lie. <laughs> don't lie to each other, because Why? Because you're not a liar anymore. You've put off that old man. You've put off that old nature. And you've put on a new man with his deeds. See, I don't do the things I used to do because I've been changed. And I can't say the devil makes me do it because he's defeated. Amen? I put on the new man, and the new man has new thoughts, new ideas, and new uh, actions, new deeds, and, and is renewed in knowledge after the image of God who created me. Second Corinthians 5 talks about that. You're a new creation. Let's read that. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, you ought to be able to quote this one. I use this one in marriage counseling. Hardest thing for married couples to do is forgive each other's past. But you know, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have no past. So if you don't forgive somebody of something they don't even have, what kind of person are you? You're unforgiving. You're bitter. You can't let it go. Listen to what it says here. 
2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, some things. Oh, excuse me. He, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What does all mean? All. That's right. All things are become new. Everything is new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only do we have the, uh, the, the joy of being reconciled to God, but we've been given the ministry to bring other people to God. Amen? And they're, they're going to come, they're going to follow you because they see the big change in you. There's been a big change in me. Can you say amen? Big change in me. Praise God. Amen. So once we come to Christ, and once Christ comes into us, there's an expectation from God that we would walk in a new way, that we would, that we would walk in a new, uh, with a new mentality that He has laid out for us, the path that He laid out for us. Uh, I like what Isaiah 43 says. If you want to turn to Isaiah 43, and we'll look, we'll look at verse 19. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. You see, when you were born again, God started something new. Now, in order for you to cooperate with this new creation that God has made, you've got to be willing to let go of the old creation that old you, and think a new thought about who you are. All right? He, said, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Sounds like Jesus when he said, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. See, we're not waiting for some, initial, some eventual perfection way down the road. We, we, we need to understand that how glorious a thing it is that God has done now. Right now, Satan's defeated. Right now, I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Right now, I'm a new creature. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. Amen? And then he says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself, that they shall show forth my praise. Amen. Amen. God says, I've got a people that I have formed, I have, cre I have created for myself, that they might reveal me to the world. Amen. I think it was Peter that says, you're a chosen generation. You're a peculiar people. Amen? For what purpose? He said that he might show forth his praise in all the earth. God uses the new creature to demonstrate who he is to the world. We're, we're changed. We're, we're drastically changed. And the worse you were as a sinner, the greater that change is reflected in the new, in the new believer. 
That's why, you know, people who were bad, really bad, notoriously bad, evil, wicked people, when they get saved, a lot of other people get saved too because the, the, the change in them is so drastic, everybody can see it. We had a man by the name of, uh, we called him Mr. Terry. His, his name was Waymond, W-A-M-O-N-D, Waymond Terry. And he had the reputation in, uh, in our town, and this was years ago, of being the meanest man in town. I was at a Dairy Queen and uh, just, you know, having a Coke or something with some, some people. And he was sitting at a table across the, the room there. And the lady that worked at the Dairy Queen was serving him. And he was so mean to her. I mean, he was rude. He used foul language. Nothing was good enough for him. He, you know, and he just, and she's being real patient. She's being real kind. And, and she's trying to accommodate him, trying to help him. I wanted to go over there and slap him. <laughs> I wasn't uh, living according to my new nature. I mean, I, I, I thought, man, you need, a, you need a whooping. It wasn't too long after that, that man showed up at our church as the guest of that waitress. She was a member of our church, and she brought him to church, and he got saved. He got gloriously saved. He got so saved that the whole town was buzzing about it. They couldn't believe the meanest man in town had changed so much. But he, all of his meanness just went away. He was glorified, glory, I mean, it was a glory to God. But it came about because this waitress refused to be caught up in his meanness and let her light shine. She was a praise to God. She was a witness to the Lord. And she loved on this man. And this man, in a time of need in his life, came to the Lord because of the witness of a really born-again, changed woman. That's how we should be. People should note the differences in our lives. Now, the problem with, uh, with us veteran Christians, you know, who've been in the way for a long, long time, is our changes, our, our improvements are, are very incremental. They're, they're very progressive. We don't change as much from day to day because we've already had that initial transformation and that might have been 40 years ago. Now, you know you're a different person, but does your neighbor know? <laughs> Amen? Does your neighbor know? And uh, that's, that's uh, we need to get delivered of our, uh, of our, um, our old nature so much that, it, that we become a praise to the Lord in the earth. Amen. We know that we've been delivered by the power of God from Satan and from sin and death, but we must also understand there's a deliverance from self. Amen. To what extent? Well, let me show you a scripture in Galatians chapter 2. Here, here's, here's the extent to which you have been delivered from yourself. Amen. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. 
I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, it's not me. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Paul is saying here that the man I was, Saul of Tarsus, died. Not on the road to Damascus. I died at the cross. I died when Jesus died. I ceased to be me, and I became him. And the life that I'm now living in the flesh, everybody say flesh. The life that I'm now living in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Brethren, that's us, by the way. We're the brethren and the sister. <laughs> the brethren. You have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. You see, the Christian spirit is not a cannibal spirit. We don't eat each other. <laughs> we edify each other. We don't eatify each other. Amen? <laughs> Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So the deliverance is that we don't have to submit to the flesh. We're no longer bound and, 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 and servants of our flesh if we walk in the Spirit. There is a, there is a deliverance factor. There is, we're delivered from our old flesh as long as we're walking in the spirit first thessalonians first thessalonians 5:23 he says the very god of peace sanctify you holy everybody say holy holy the very god of peace sanctify that word sanctify means to set you apart for a special purpose Set you apart. Set you apart from sins of the flesh. Set you apart from your old life. Set you apart from evil and wickedness for the purpose of showing forth the praises of God in the earth. Can you say amen? amen. So he says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of 
our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. God is faithful to sanctify you and preserve you spirit, soul, and body blameless unto the coming of the Lord. Now here's where we need to correct our thinking. This says that God is perfectly capable of preserving your soul, your body, and your spirit blameless until the coming of the Lord. But somehow or another we've been tricked into thinking it's going to take the coming of the Lord to get everything right. I can't be blameless until the Lord Jesus comes and takes over everything. Well, He's already come to you. The Lord's already come to you. And, and, and He in you is able to keep you blameless without, without fault. Spirit, soul, and body. You're familiar with the teaching of spirit, soul, and body. How you are a triune being. God is Father, Son, and Spirit, Holy Spirit. And He made us spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Your spirit is your God consciousness. Your spirit is how you communicate with God and come in contact with God. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Amen? Amen. Well, before you were born again, you were, you were cut off from God. Your spirit man was on his own. And he was incapable of walking the line. He was incapable of living a righteous life. He was incapable because your spirit was cut off from the source of power. But when you were born again, the Holy Spirit took you, your spirit, and baptized you into Christ. And you became revived. You, began, you became born again. You came alive unto God. You became reconnected. But in your spirit, there's, there's your spirit and there's God's spirit. Where does God dwell? Right now, He dwells in your spirit. And there is a, there, there, there's the ability to communicate with God, to learn His voice, because he's right, he's right there in your spirit. He's living in your spirit right now. You need to get acquainted with Him. <laughs> He'll show you the way. He'll lay out a straight path for you. And He will empower you to overcome your body, which is the flesh. Your body is your world consciousness, your world awareness. I call it your earth suit. Because in your body, you hear. All your five senses are in your, in your body. You hear, you see, you smell, you taste, and you feel. That's how we communicate with our surroundings. Take away one of those senses, and the other senses compensate. You know, take away your ability to see, and all of a sudden you can hear things. You can hear footsteps. You can hear people's breathing. You can walk into a room, even though you can't see anything in that room because you're blind, but you can hear their heart beating. <laughs> you can hear them breathe because you've got an enhanced hearing. And you can smell their perfume. Oh, that's Sister, that's sister Ruth. I, I gave her that perfume. Mm -hmm. You know, 
People can't hide from you. Hey, there's, there's roses in the room, you know. You can, you can smell the roses. Praise God. Amen? That's, the physical senses are a good thing. It enables you to interact with your environment and the world around you. But because of sin, they became dominant. And they dominated. They ruled over your spirit. You could communicate with the world around you, but you couldn't communicate with God. It got out of order. Amen? And then there's the soul. Your soul is your self-consciousness, your self-awareness, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your soul was dominated and led about by your body. If your body felt bad, then you, your mind says, I feel bad. I'm sick. And your spirit was silent and couldn't contradict it. If your flesh wanted something to be satisfied, gratified, your mind would say, uh, you know, I'll feel better if I let the flesh have what it wants. And your will was involved because you wanted to do those things. Amen? You, you had a will, but your will wasn't to please God. It was to please yourself. And with the spirit unconscious, your mind and, I mean, your soul and your flesh took over and were destroying your life. Well, something wonderful took place when you became born again. Your spirit became uh, joined to God's spirit, and God empowered you to rule over your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body. But you've got to ex exercise that authority. Your spirit man it has been empowered to rule over your life. Empowered by the Holy Ghost who is in you. He said, I'll, I'll empower you. I'm not going to restrict my powers flowing toward you. It comes toward you abounding, constant, never interrupted. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, resurrection power, is constantly flowing into your life, into your spirit. You'll, not have, you'll never have a power shortage in your spirit. What you have to do is exercise that power in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, and in your bodies. He's delivered you. Sin no longer can rule. Satan no longer can rule. You can rule. I can rule over my mind. That's how come Paul was able to say, cast down every thought and imagination that is contrary to the truth. How can I do that? Because my spirit is now ascended to the throne of my whole being, and I can rule my mind, my thoughts, and my emotions, and my will. I can, I can rule over my whole life because I've been delivered. Amen? First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, remember, says that, he, he, that God is able to preserve your whole spirit, your whole soul, and whole body, blameless. 
now until the coming of the Lord. You see, and there's another scripture, I forget where it is, Jimmy may know, but you know, it, it talks about how he's going to, he, he wants to present us, Jesus wants to present us to the Father blameless. He's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. This is the time God is wanting us to shape up. This is the time that God is wanting you to take authority over your, over your soul and your body so that he can perform his, his, his will, which is to make you blameless. So he can present you to the Father blameless. I want Jesus to succeed. But in order for him to succeed, I've got to cooperate. I, first of all, I've got to believe that I can have a blameless mind. I don't have to think evil thoughts. Devil can't make me do it. He can flash his commercials on TV all day, all all day long, but he he's not going to change my mind about sin. Amen. We don't have a half bad in this country. There are some countries in the world, they've got pornographic billboards. Some countries in this world, their advertisements, you know, are, are, are well, ours are getting bad. I always look at, at, a, at a commercial time as time to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom a lot. Because I'm too cheap to pay for all those uh, ad advertisement free things, you know. So I, so I, I, when I, like if I start something and I, I see it's got, you can see how many commercials it's got in it. So I, well, this is where I go get the popcorn. This is where I, this is where I get uh, my, my Coke. And this is, this is where, this is where I drink my Coke. This is where I go to the bathroom. No, Ruth is going there. I'll have to go to the next commercial. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I purposely avoid the advertisements because they're, they're, they're becoming wicked. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, know, I don't know if I can control my mind. Like, Well, how many of you, when you, when you see, when you see a, an advertisement for hard liquor on TV, do you just have this urge to run out and buy some hard liquor? Not anymore. Well, what, what changed? Your mind became renewed. And, and you have this determined thought, I don't do those things anymore. I don't go to those places anymore. I don't eat that food anymore. I don't drink that stuff anymore. I don't smoke that thing anymore. Amen? I, I, I'm not that person. I am a new creature. Well, what's happened is you, you've trained your mind to think different thoughts about who you are. And it came out of your spirit. That mind training came from your spirit where the Word of God abides. Amen? Praise God. You're renewed, your mind is renewed by the Word of God, but that Word has got to dwell in you. Amen? Praise God. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. God is faithful to do his part. Yes. I want to challenge you this morning to present your mind and your body to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm getting on board with this reclamation project, this reformation, 
this transformation so I can run the race you set before me so I can walk the line successfully. Remember Johnny Cash? I'll walk the line. Well, I don't know if his line is the one I'm talking about, but he did, ha he did become a changed man. I believe he's in heaven. But I bet he's not singing a lot of those songs he used to sing. <laughs> Folsom Prison Blues. I, I don't think so. I think he's singing songs of praise and worship and glory to God. And I, I think him and his wife June and others Lord, that are there, are. Uh, I, I think they have something to make the Bill Gaither band look sick. Well, they are sick. You know, they're, they're, they're old and dying. But, uh, but you know, <laughs> praise God. Didn't mean that, Brother Bill. Okay. <laughs> Amen. What a blessing it is to know that I don't have to be the person I used to be. I don't even have to continue being the person I am. If there's something I don't like about my character, if there's something I don't like about my, my way of doing things, it's changeable. It's changeable by the power of God. And God is faithful to do it if you'll, if you'll cooperate with him. Amen? A lot of people, you know, they get married and they think they're going to change their husband. They're going to change their wife. You know, uh, you know, they find out there's some imperfections there and they think they're going to fix it. Well, all that does is bring strife and division into the marriage. What we should do is we should look at the person in the mirror and say, what can I do to improve this one? What can I do to change this one? Because you do have the power. I'm, I'm telling you, you do have the power to change yourself. And it's called the power of God. Christ in you. Christ in you. The anointing of God dwelling inside of you can make you a better person. And help you walk the line. Amen? Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. And it's all because of what Jesus did at the cross and at his resurrection. Amen. And so we're going to celebrate that again this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity to take communion with us. And, and uh, as we have been doing almost every service this year, have you enjoyed, have you appreciated the communion time? It doesn't take long. And it's not just a, a ritual. But there's a meaning to it. There, there, there's weight to it. As we, as we end the service in communion, we come into relationship with God, but we also come into relationship with each other, a holy one, a holy relationship with each other. See, if you're not right with each other, how can you be right with God? I mean, it's how many sermons do we need to hear about that before we actually do it? Amen? Praise the Lord.